You are listening to the Pimp Your Brilliance podcast, and this is episode number 29. This episode is brought to you by my brand new booklet, The Fear Guide. Learn practical steps and strategies to shut down the course of fear so that you can take action on your ideas. Get the download for free by visiting thefearguide.com. Check it out, and then stay tuned for later on the episode when I tell you a bit more about it. Welcome to the Pimp Your Brilliance podcast with Monique Malcolm, a show about creative people leveraging their brilliance to create their own opportunities. I aim to show you what's really possible when you shut down the chorus of fear and lean into your genius zone. You can learn more about this show and subscribe for updates by visiting keepchasingthestars.com backslash podcast. Hey, Star Chasers, welcome back to another episode of Pimp Your Brilliance. I'm your host, Monique Malcolm, and if this is your first time tuning in, Welcome. I'm so glad that you have chosen to give me some time in your earwaves to share with you some awesomeness. And today is a interview with the oh so fabulous and wonderful Cindy Spiegel. Cindy Spiegel has been my own business coach and she's fantastic. She's so knowledgeable. You're going to love her. But first, I do need to warn you, she's got a bit of a potty mouth and she does let a few fly in this episode. So if that's offensive to you, or if you have kids in your car while you're listening to this on your commute, might want to turn it down. It's not too bad, but there are going to be a few curse words that pop in here, here and there. So fair warning. But let me tell you about Cindy. Cindy Spiegel is a Brooklyn-based small business consultant, coach, and TEDx speaker. She is also the founder of The Collective of Us. I was a part of that, which is a small business accelerator for women and the community of us an online hub for conversation and change-making community. She is on a mission to empower 100,000 women to build bold businesses and conversations by the year 2020. Her straight talk and visionary perspective on creating women-owned businesses, overcoming imposter complex, and embracing fear inspire women globally to build bold, profitable businesses. So she's a total badass. And I can't wait for you guys to hear some of the gems that she's dropping in this episode She gets really fired up talking about empowering women. She talks about the hangups that women face in their businesses, and and it tends to be more unique towards women-based businesses. And then she shares three key components for asking for what you want. So grab a pen, grab a notebook, and let's dive in because this is happening. Hey, Cindy, welcome to the show. Hi, Monique. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you here because you already know I love you. You're such a badass. And I know that you're going to have so many wonderful things to share with everybody today. But let's start at the top. Tell us about your business and how you make your living. Yeah. Do I make a living? I'm not sure. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so, so I am a business coach, a small business coach. And I started an accelerator a few years ago, which you are familiar with, called The Collective of Us. Um, and it's really about empowering women to build businesses collectively using the support and the expertise of one another versus having one person give you an answer. So how I make my living is via personal coaching, The Collective of Us, and also as a public speaker. And then in January, I launched a new community called the community of us, which focuses on women having empowering and powerful conversations with other women. So that's how I make my living. And it's pretty incredible. It is. And if you guys have not seen Cindy online, I really want to know like where you living online because she's everywhere. Uh. (laughs) And she's been like burning up stages all over the country. Like she's really, really 
put in like walking the walk and talking the talk. So I know that she's going to have so many great things to tell us. But let's go back to the beginning because you didn't start here. You didn't didn't. just show up on somebody's stage wowing crowds. Mm -hmm. So let's how did you get started? So I got started about four and a half years ago. It wasn't even that long ago, truthfully. Um, I had come out of the fashion industry. I was in fashion for 15 years, and I realized at one point that I just wasn't doing the work that I was meant to be doing. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing, but I knew it wasn't that. So there was a tough year. You know, I talk a lot about that year in between leaving fashion and starting my business where I would just end up on my kitchen floor in tears because I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. And I think that's a challenge for a lot of us is sometimes we know we're not in the right situation, but we also don't know what the right situation is. So we don't know where to go. And that's where I was for that first year. And part of what I had known just from my own spiritual practice, which was that I had to sit in it, right? I couldn't There was no quick answer. I had to just sit with myself and ask myself the difficult questions and decide, you know, was I really willing to do this work that I wasn't sure of? And it took me a long time to get there and to fully commit. And when I committed, it was slowly. And I started out by consulting women who were wanting to start fashion brands because that was the easiest entry into, you know, working for myself was like, okay, I just spent 15 years in fashion businesses on the business side of it, this is how I can help people. So that year I really spent was about giving myself the permission to just do the thing that I knew how to do, which was helping other people start businesses, smaller businesses. I had come from larger scale brands. So I started out by coaching. I didn't call it coaching at the time. It was consulting, which meant coming up with strategy for women to start businesses. And then probably six months in, I realized that it didn't actually matter if it was a fashion business or any other kind of business. There were some real fundamental steps in building businesses that a lot of the women that I was working with were were missing. And so slowly it began to expand to just working with women in general who were starting businesses. And then within a year, and this is around the time you and I met actually, I had put a note out on Instagram and said, okay, we need to build a community because I left the fashion industry. I don't ha- I don't have my people anymore, you know? And so I'm kind of going around and meeting people and trying to get help as best I can. But there's so much I don't know about this entrepreneurial world because I didn't come from it. It's one thing to know how to build a strategy around a business. It's another thing to build a community. So via a note on Instagram, I said, hey, I have this idea to build a community and there'll be strategy and, you know, coaching, but we're also going to use each other's expertise. I said, is anybody interested? And there were, I think that first round, maybe 27 or 32 women that said yes. And that started the collective of us as it is today. And we are now in our, goodness, I think seventh round. And now we we only launch once a year. It used to be, it started out as three times a year, then two times a year, and now it's once a year. So that was a very long-winded way of telling you my path from laying on the kitchen floor in tears at 3 a.m. to where I am today. (laughs) But everybody has a backstory. And I I feel like it's, it's great to get a sense of where do people start? And, mm-hmm. and what kind of experience and things were they already having first before they started an entrepreneurial journey, especially one that's largely online based, because yes. there's so much information available, but it's all over the place. It's not mm-hmm. all good information. It comes from so many different perspectives. And I think the longer that you stay in this industry and you work online, you just realize that nobody really has an answer and we're that's all right. coming from different places. That's right. So, I love to be able to highlight that on this show when I speak with people. 
And I think that's so powerful, right? Because you're right. Nobody has an answer. Like, I wish I had. I don't even have answers. The only difference, right, is a matter of, I think it's important we find people that we trust before we listen to their advice, number one. But also, there are a lot of really smart people on the internet. So find somebody whose background, to your point, is connecting for you. And then you're coming from a similar place of exploration and of learning. And, and I think a lot of times we don't necessarily know people's backstory. So it's powerful what you're doing, Monique. Well, thank you. And, I, you know, it's, it's a labor, a laborious task to be a podcaster. But I find it fascinating really being able to talk to people about where you started and what are some of the things you're going to. Because I, I feel like there's, there's always this call for more transparency and more, authentic, mm-hmm. more authenticity. But I just feel like there's not really enough because yeah. we don't tell stories while they're in progress we tell Mm -hmm. stories after the fact and Mm -hmm. i i feel like there's a bit of a disservice to people who are wanting to start and who are in the aspirational stage to just see somebody at the midpoint and not you know maybe a quarter of the way into their journey so i try to make sure i can make space for that as much as possible so good so good it's like tell me when it's tell me when the shit hits the fan you know like tell me while you're in it not when you've already wrapped it up in a you know in a beautiful bow because I need to know what's happening along the way. And that's going to help me grow. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So a lot of your focus revolves around empowering women and women's empowerment and building Mm -hmm. bold businesses. Why did you feel like that was what you wanted to stand for? You know, funny enough, I don't know that I chose that in particular. I don't know that I ever set out to empower women and build bold businesses. In a lot of ways, I feel like that topic chose me. And the reason I say this, and this is where I get a little bit hippie woo, but when I talked, you know, a few minutes ago about how and where I started in that year that I really had to do a lot of self-exploration, part of it was I had been honing for a very long time with my spiritual practice, I think partially, um, the ability to know that I don't have to know. I don't have to have the right answer, you know, and that the answer will come to me. I just believe when we sit long enough, the answer will come. We just have to keep doing the work. And I think that's sort of how women's empowerment and this idea of living boldly came about. I think, you know, when it came to social media or Instagram or at the time, um, Periscope, what I found that I was doing was just being who I was. And by being who I was, which was very imperfect, I inadvertently gave other people permission to be who they were. Not because I was trying to, but it was there's a certain permission in surrounding yourself with people who are boldly stepping into who they are and not needing to be perfect when they do it. And so it is in that way that I really feel like the work that I do around empowering women sort of chose me rather than me choosing it. I wasn't that strategic. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that, Your Honor. And, you know, I think that's kind of how the best things work, though. Like, there's just a thing like you just end up being called to her. Like you said, it chooses you. And even if you try to shake it or try to deny it, it yes. doesn't let you go. <laughs> that's right. Like your book on fear. Oh, no, it doesn't let you go. You, you just mm-hmm. ride until you write it. So I want to circle back to something that you said a bit ago uh, when you were talking about getting started and how you wanted to build a community. And you said that as you were coaching people or coaching women, you realized there were like fundamental things that they were missing that they needed help with. Can we yeah. talk about that? Because I'm curious, what are these things? Yeah, so some of the fundamental things, interestingly enough, were not even related to their business. They were related to being a woman, but also just a human being. Women in general, and this I don't see as much in men, even though I don't coach men necessarily, I have a lot of men in my sphere, 
women find the need to be perfect before we want to do something, which is preventing us from doing interesting work, right? Because unless we have it wrapped up in a bow, I call it the whole pie syndrome, where we need to have the whole pie baked before we're ready to start. And so a lot of women weren't willing to start whatever their business ideas were until they had the entire plan worked out, including what their profit was going to be in five years from now. Like essentially they needed to have everything fully baked and wrapped up in a bow. And until we can shake that idea, we're never going to start anything, right? We have to be willing to take this one sliver of the pie at a time. First have the idea, for example, then take the very first step to execute on that idea. Um, but one of the challenges or the hangups that I've seen with women over and over again was the need to be perfect or, you know, that whole pie syndrome, as I call it. The other was a need for security. Most folks that start really successful businesses are willing to take risks. Women in general, we are very risk averse. Now, not everyone, there are exceptions, but we want security. And I think part of that goes back to our nurturing, you know, sort of the way that we nurture and mothering. And there's a certain way that women just inherently are. And I think in that same way, there's a need to be secure and to be safe. And so it makes it very hard for us to take risks. So those two. And finally, I think another another hang up that women have is this idea of waiting to be ready. As if there is such a thing and there is mm. no such thing. You are never going to be ready ever, ever, ever. I don't know if you ask Oprah today if she's ready, if she tell you yes, because we don't know. Like We're, we're never going to be there. And I think as long as we have that mentality, you know, of having to be ready, we're never going to start. So the biggest hang ups that I would see with women is this inability to get started. But once they get started, it's why I think there's been so much success within the collective is because once we can sort of break that down a little bit and you see other people doing it, then you're willing to take those risks. And when you take those risks or you try your idea and it doesn't work, you're then willing to get back up and try something else until you find something that works, until you find that thing that you are, you know, that chooses you, that you are called to do in the world. But you have to start and most times we don't. And oh, that is, <laughs> I could rant about this all day mm -hmm. long about people just not starting. And you're exactly right. What you said about the whole pie syndrome and how we, we don't want to start because we want everything to be perfect. And we want to know yeah. like specifically what happens on the other end, but it's mm -hmm. like, you can't even, you can't prepare for every single outcome. And you no, can't, and don't hire and don't hire anybody who tells you that they can. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Right? Like nobody knows. You can't. And I think, and I, I wrote about this in the fear guide and I, it's something I've been thinking on a lot about that fear of uncertainty of what's on the other side. And I think a lot of it just boils down to the feeling that we can't handle what comes like once you make a choice or once you take the leap that right. you can't handle the outcome, like what's on the other side of that, or you're going to be mm -hmm. incapable of managing that. And I just want to remind people every single day, like, you can do hard things. You that's do right. hard things every single day. Like, mm -hmm. you live your life, and that's hard. You you get up and you do things that are uncomfortable. You've survived 100% of your worst days already. Mm -hmm. So what is the problem? But I, I don't think we ever really think of it from that perspective. And we just get so caught up on, like, what if I choose something and then I can't manage it. Well, then you can't manage it and you walk yeah. it back. <laughs> like That's right. That's right. And, and I think, I, you know, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, Monique, but I also feel like 
even though I know this and you know this and we know that we have to start, that doesn't mean that you or I or anybody else who knows it doesn't need reminding, mm. right? There are still days where I'm like, I, I got nothing. I cannot go near my computer. I have no ideas that are coming to me. So it is incredibly important to surround ourselves with folks that are expansive, you know, that are constantly challenging the status quo. Because even if you think you know all this stuff, you will absolutely have those moments, those days, those weeks, and, and sometimes those months where you need reminding. So stay in the company of women who are challenging themselves often. And be there to support one another when one of you, you know, can't, can't quite make it to that place. Because that will happen. And it does. And it's, it's more common than I think people realize. Yeah. And I, I credit some of that disconnect there with social media. But I always have to remind people, like, you don't know what's happening on the other side of somebody's life outside of, like, what they posted on YouTube or that shiny Instagram photo. Right. I've seen people post amazing things and you think that they're living amazing lives. And then I've had conversations with them. And they're like, everything sucks and yep. it all sucks and it's crumbling down and I hate it. And I'm just like, but you're yeah. like, that's not what I saw. On <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so I, I think that everything that you said about surrounding yourself with people who are pushing you and are expansive and are going to remind you that sometimes this shit sucks. And yep. that's just a part of it. And you're going to be fine and it's going to be fine. And, and you will ride through this. I always like to think of life just having peaks and valleys. And sometimes you're up high and then sometimes you're low. But how long you stay down in that low, some of that has to do with your circle or just your willingness to realize like this low is not going to stay. And there is going to be another high. That peaks and valleys. It's like we all should just get a a sort of poster or a post-it and just draw peaks and valley on it. And every day decide where we are in that because it's a reminder that what goes up must come down. But it's a cycle, right? We don't want to be on top of the mountain all the time. Otherwise, we wouldn't appreciate the mountaintop. Yes. So peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, peaks Peaks and and valleys. They're all necessary. It is. And, you know, I listened to a podcast, um, the Courage and Clarity podcast. And I wish I I remember what episode, but I'll have to add in the show notes. And there was a woman on there and she was talking about how fear and uncertainty can be a gift, but we don't see it like mm-hmm. that. And it was basically what you just said. Like, if nothing was scary, if nothing was uncertain, nothing would be precious. Yeah, like, you wouldn't right. care about anything because it would always work out and it would always be certain. Like, you'd know what was happening yeah. all the time. And yeah. she was like, that's what makes you human. And mm-hmm. if you didn't have those emotions and those feelings, like, that would take your ability to be a human And I found that to be like such an encouraging statement. And what you said about you don't want to be on the mountain all the time. You don't because not only will nothing be sacred or precious, that's exhausting. (laughs) You need time to level off every Mm -hmm. so often. You can't always stay on that high. It's not sustainable. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And it'd be rough being up there with the wind and all. You got to come back down sometimes. You got to come back down. Exactly. Okay, Star Chaser, let's get real about fear. Fear is natural. Your mind is a brilliant piece of machinery, and it wants to protect itself at all costs. So fear by design is a defense mechanism. Its primary purpose is to keep you safe. Unfortunately, too many of us let fear hold us back from truly living the lives we were meant to live. I believe that we are suffering from a fear-induced inaction epidemic, and I want to change that. So I wrote the fear guide to help you get out of your own way 
by providing you with a toolkit that you can use to silence the course of fear and take action. These are the actual strategies that I use while chasing after my biggest goals, ideas, and dreams. Inside the fear guide, you're going to learn the truth about risk and why taking risks is important and beneficial in your life. You're going to meet the course of fear. You're going to learn what it is and how to keep it in check. And finally, you're going to learn practical and actionable steps to move you past fear. So I'm sharing a repeatable process full of insightful questions and exercises that will help you take action. So yes, this is my not so subtle nudge to get you out of your head and into action. It's definitely required reading. If you want more information about the fear guide, it's available for purchase as a physical booklet or a free digital download by visiting thefearguide.com. All right, so I want to shift gears a little bit and I want to ask you about some reasons why you think women are not asking for what they want. Because I know that's another big topic Mm -hmm. that you've been speaking about a lot. And I I heard Cindy speak a few months ago about asking and I'm telling you like the whole room if if they could have like demanded more of everything, more money, more food, everything like they would have, because mm-hmm. everybody was so on fire. But I, I want to talk about that. Yeah, thank you for saying that. I think there are a few reasons, right? There are actually a lot of reasons, but some of the reasons we don't ask are our confidence, right? There is what people look at and say is confidence, and then there's a false sense of ego or confidence, right? It's one thing to be on social media and be fully done up, and people assume that you're confident because you said the right words to go with the right picture. It's another thing to stand in who you are every single day, naked, with no makeup on your face, and have the courage to ask for what you want. That is a whole other level of confidence that I think we don't talk about, right? We don't talk about because we look at confidence as what we see online, again, social media. So the number one reason I think we're afraid to ask is we're not actually confident enough. Even if we think we are, we portray ourselves as we're not confident enough. And we don't believe that what we are asking for is our right. Instead, as women, we need to feel like we deserve it, like somebody can gift it to us. And otherwise, you know, it's like if we don't feel like we deserve it, we won't ask. And that's just our mentality. We don't like conflict. We as women don't want to be perceived as inappropriate or asking for something we don't deserve. No freaks us out. We do not like to be told no, which is really important when asking because a big part of an important ask, um, you know, asking for something is that your ask cannot be contingent on receiving a yes, right? Mm. You have to be willing to ask the question regardless of the outcome. There's also, I think there's this false perception for women that we are being unreasonable or we're being bitchy or we're being high maintenance for asking for what we want. You know, we don't just look at something like most men, not all men, but a lot of men. It's like, okay, if I want this fancy phone, I'm going to get the fancy phone. I don't need a reason for it. Women, on the other hand, we feel like we need a reason. We need a reason that makes sense to ask for something because we don't want to be unreasonable. You know, we don't want to be high maintenance for asking. We also don't want to be needy. And on top of that, I think we are dealing with a lot of shame around feeling like we deserve something. And that we don't have to account for that deserving, that we can just ask for what we want. I think there's a lot of varied shame there that we need to deal with. So that was a very long answer because I think there are a lot of reasons that we don't ask. (laughs) So do you feel like a lot of these things are just socialized into women, like from a young age? I do. Yeah. You know, in in the TEDx talk that I did, I talked a lot about this. 
the way boys are raised and the way girls are raised. Now, hopefully what's happening right now is that that's starting to shift as a culture, but we teach little girls shame at a very young age. You know, whether it be, if you have somebody who has a son and a daughter, for example, the boys might play sports and at the end of the sports game, they have to shake hands. Regardless of who wins or loses, they have to shake hands, right? And so in that small act, we're teaching young boys that there will be a winner and there will be a loser, but it doesn't make anybody a bad person. Little girls, on the other hand, don't have that. We are taught that, you know, we should be pretty and we should be nice and we should be kind. And, you know, yes, you do want your daughters to be kind, but we're also not necessarily teaching them leadership that way. We're not teaching them that it's okay to lose and that it's equally okay to win. We are sort of building in shame when the example I like to use is physically. When we take a boy and a girl to the beach, the boy can run around topless, right? He can run around and be free in his little baby speedo and, and no shirt on, but his sister, who may be the same age, has to cover up. Now that sounds really silly. It's like, well, of course the girl should cover up, but why? Right? Because what you're teaching her is that she should be ashamed of her body, but her brother doesn't need to be. Mm -hmm. And so I know that that for a lot of people, that example can sort of ruffle people because of their own innate beliefs. And so I ask for a lot of us to really question why we believe what we believe and what's embedded in our culture when we sort of are teaching young girls to be ashamed of their bodies, to be ashamed of their, you know, of themselves. And I think because we don't have that same idea of like join a sports team and shake hands at the end, it causes little girls to be jealous, but not know what to do with that, to feel like they can't compete, you know, because they don't compete in ballet, for example, you know, or dance in the traditional sense, at least very early on. There is no shaking hands at the end and saying, it's okay that you won and that I lost. It doesn't make me a bad person. Now, you're going to have to forgive my ballet example because I actually have no idea what happens to ballet, <laughs> but... But I think just culturally, you know, we raise our children very differently. And there's a lot of embedded shame that comes with us growing up. And so by the time we get to be grown women, you know, we've carried some shame with us. We've carried these feelings of like, we can't be competitive. We have to be nice over everything else, you know. So we're not allowing ourselves to reach for things that we want because we've got a lot of shame that we've sort of lugged along the way, hidden shame. You said something uh, that I want to circle back to because I know that this is something that you're really passionate about because I've heard you say it, especially in the collective. But you mentioned um, about women being jealous of having negative feelings and not knowing what to do about that. Yeah. And I don't feel like there's a ton of conversation around about that. But it's true. And it's it's ingrained in our society. And I feel like social media just makes that the worst in all kinds of ways. And, and I kind of see it as like this passive aggressive pettiness. It's like, yes. you think you cute girl, but you yes. really not <laughs> yes. kind of thing that goes on. Yeah. But I, I would love to talk about that. I hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So, I, you know, I do spend a lot of time. And again, it's just, it's my, my effort to sort of peel, peel back the facade. And I think I do this a lot in my talks as well, which is I'm going to be really honest. Sometimes I want to see women fail, <laughs> right? And that's not because I'm a terrible person. It's because I'm being honest. And I think that we don't give ourselves permission to be human. The reality of it is that as human beings, sometimes we, we have conversations or we have thoughts that aren't ideal, right? And maybe I saw a woman and I judged her, you know, the way she was dressed. Or maybe I saw a woman who seemed like she was getting too successful too fast and I didn't like it. You know, but these are human feelings. And for any woman out there who says she doesn't feel them, I call her on her own bullshit because I don't believe it. 
You know, and I think the very first thing we have to do is acknowledge that we are human. But just because we have a thought doesn't mean we have to act on it, right? And so we have to take a certain level of responsibility and accountability for the thoughts that we allow ourselves to have because we do allow ourselves to have them, right? And once you know that you've thought the thing, catch yourself and say, whoa, why did I just think that? Why did I say that? And I think self-awareness is key to all of this. The second you can acknowledge that you just felt something about somebody that wasn't even about them, then you can turn the mirror and you can look at yourself and say, what specifically is it about me that I wanted that woman to fail? Generally, almost, I'm going to go ahead and not say generally and say it is always about us. And mm-hmm. if we can start to question ourselves when those thoughts happen, instead of judging ourselves or shoving those feelings down, if we can simply hold up the mirror and say, why did I think that way? Then we would start to question and see our own insecurities for what they are. And all they are are part of a human condition, right? So we've removed the judgment from feeling the thing that didn't feel very quote unquote nice. Fine. I wanted to see her fail. Why did I want to see her fail? right? Oh, okay. It's because I don't feel like I'm succeeding as quickly. This is not about her. And so once we're willing to become self-aware and hold a mirror up to our own shit and our own thoughts and our own behaviors, we are able to support women really differently. We are able to empower each other. We realize that there's enough for all of us and we no longer want to see other people fail, other women in particular. And guess what? You may have that thought again. And if you do, do the same thing over and over again changing your thoughts as a practice. But I think the very first thing that we have to do, and this is where, you know, you were saying, well, on social media, we don't do, we don't even admit it. Mm-mm. Instead, we have these hashtags, competition over, what is it, collaboration over competition. And I'm not saying that those are bad things to have, but I don't think they're realistic. I don't think most people are actually walking the walk at all. Because mm-hmm. we don't we don't want to admit what feels shameful. And I'm saying like, fuck it, we're human. We're human, and sometimes we do things that are imperfect, so let's just start there. It's okay. You can see I get real heated about this. <laughs> I was going to say, I felt the Ooh. temperature rise in this room, yeah. but I, I feel That's you, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> on this good, on this good Friday, Friday afternoon. Right? But <laughs> I, I love that you said that, and you said that with so much passion, and in particular, the thing that really st- struck out to me is that you said, like, we have these feelings and they're less than ideal, but it's okay. And to what you said about, you know, we, we know we have the feelings and we just shove them down or we feel ashamed that we feel like that, but it, that's just, that's how you feel. And and there are ways to work through that. But a part of that comes first with acknowledging that you even feel like that and then questioning, why do you feel like that? Why, what is coming up for you? That's making you have these negative feelings about somebody that you probably don't even know if it's a stranger on the Internet. That's exactly right. And don't sugarcoat it. Right. Like that's the other thing. Don't try to like don't sprinkle it with confetti. Like tell yourself the truth. Speak truth to your own bullshit, as Brene Brown would say, and then work through it. I love it. I love it all. All right. So speaking of less than ideal outcomes and negative feelings, talk to me about some of your challenges, because I know Mm, you don't have any. You don't have any, none. (laughs) I'm kidding. So challenges, you know, there are a lot of challenges. I think one of the hardest things for me personally about having my own business is I came out of a career where I was used to structure. I was used to going into the office at one point and leaving the office at one point. I was used to having a to-do list of what needed to get done and it wasn't an option to get it done or not get it done. 
I don't do well without structure. So it has been very challenging for me to get shit done. Obviously, the most important things, the biggest things I do get taken care of. There are a lot of times that that's not my, um, it's not my, it's not an area that I'm great in. And, and part of what I really had to learn how to do, Monique, was to hire a team that was better than I was. You know, at organizing it, for example, at reminding me of stuff, at reminding me to get stuff done, setting point, like setting my calendar a certain way to make sure that I started working at a certain hour and that I didn't start at 5 p.m. <laughs> you know, like I, I just don't, I don't do well without structure. And when I, you know, working for yourself, you, the only structure you have is the structure you create. And that has been a real challenge for me. You know, another big challenge was not having a community. And again, you know, we go back to social media and social media makes you feel like everybody has the coolest, most awesome friends doing the most incredible, most amazing things. And you're the one who doesn't. That's not to say I don't have amazing friends. I have incredible friends, but they're not for the most part. Again, you know, I came out of a very traditional career and my friends did, too. So they're not the ones that I'm going to to talk about my entrepreneurial struggles as much as they love me and they're good people. They don't necessarily understand you know, and I think it was really hard. And, you know, the other thing I didn't mention was I was 35 when I transitioned my career. And so it was very hard at that point to make new friends. Mm-hmm. It was part of why I started the collective of us. But I just felt like, shit, where are my people? Because it makes it that much harder when you feel like you have to struggle alone. So I'd say between community and or lack thereof, uh, luckily, that's been a while. So I've built a strong community of women who are doing their own thing while still keeping my powerful friends that I've had, you know, from, from years back. But also understanding that part of running a business didn't mean that I had to have all the answers and that sometimes you have to bring in people who are better than you to fill in the gaps where you can't. And, you you know, again, it goes back to self-awareness. For the first, I'd say, two years, I was like, I got this. I should be able to do all the things until I dropped so many balls that I was just like, okay, this is not working. Like, I need to find people that are better than me so that they can keep me in line. Because as a business owner, I don't have to be able to do that. You know, my job is to do the part that I'm good at and allow other people to do the job that they're good at. And that, from an ego perspective, takes a bit of a hit. So it took a little while to get there and understand that. I think that you highlighted an important point that sometimes people overlook when you're saying that you needed structure and you had to hire a team to help you maintain that. And we often look at like outsourcing, like outsourcing things that we don't want to do and all of that stuff. And that's great. And you should totally do that. But I think sometimes people overlook the value of having a team to help you stay on deadlines. Because when you run a business by yourself, and I, I also struggle with not having structure because I like everything to be where it is and like... So that I, I feel comfortable and secure when things are where they're supposed to be. But it's also sometimes difficult to maintain momentum and enthusiasm yeah. on self-imposed deadlines because it's like, yeah, I said I wanted to get this done by Friday, but the world is not going to stop if I don't exactly. because I'm the boss. <laughs> yeah, it's not really that big of a deal. I'll just move every other deadline. Yes. <laughs> and it's like when you start working with people, you don't have that flexibility because it's like you told the person that it's going to be done on Friday so that they can do their part. And now you're yes. holding up the whole process. And that was something that I had to learn for myself. There's like the value of having somebody for support. Because it really just helps you keep yourself in line. Because otherwise, it's just like, "Mm, I didn't finish that today. And you're not pressed. God, aren't we so easy on ourselves? It's like in some areas, we're so hard on ourselves. We're like, you must get the thing done. 
But once you work for yourself, it's so easy to fall into the mindset of like, I'm the boss. I'll get it done later. Mm-hmm. Oh, oof. yes. <laughs> what you said. All right. So we're, we're going to wrap up here in just a moment. But I want to know, um, of all these things you've done, you've been working on your business for the last four and a half years. It's grown amazingly well. You've grown this community. You're speaking. You have a book coming out soon. Like you, you've done a lot. What do you feel like has been your biggest lesson learned so far? This is going to sound cliche. It's going to sound trite and I know it, but here is the biggest lesson that I have learned is this. I will never be ready. I'm not going to be ready to write the book. I'm not going to be ready to step on a stage in front of thousands of people. I'm not going to be ready to, you know, found a community. I'm not going to be, I'm never going to be ready until I do it. And I think that is the truth for all of us. We are never going to be ready. Our job is not to be ready. Our job is to do it. And often that means doing it before we're ready. You'll never be ready. I'll never be ready. God willing, it always stays that way because that means we're constantly pushing ourselves to do more, to do better. All of that. Yes, I agree. 100%. Okay. Well, this was, I mean, you just throwing out these gems left and right. There's going to be a lot of this, (laughs) a lot to go back through um, with this episode, but I want to wrap it up the way that we always do, which is the pimp your brilliance action challenge, because I think that inspiration is great but actually having actionable things that you can try yourself to get where you're trying to go is most important. So Cindy is going to share with us three key components for asking for what you want. Mm, Yes, I am. Are you ready? I'm ready. Right. I'm ready too. So this is the, the first number one thing you want to do. Get clear on what your ask is and what the cost of your ask is. So we didn't talk about this, but every ask has a cost, right? So for example, If you are requesting that you get paid a certain amount of money, then you have to know that part of the cost of that is that the person may say no and that offer might get shut down. That's the cost of me asking for a certain amount of money. Every ask that we have has a cost attached to it, right? If you want that promotion, the cost is that you may get it and you'll also have to do more work. Are you willing to accept the cost that comes with the ask? So that's number one. Get clear on what your ask is. I want X amount of money to do this talk. What is the cost of that ask? They could say no, and then I get no money, and I get no talk, right? Know the ask, know the cost. Number two, know what your hidden biases are before you go into the conversation. So oftentimes, again, you know, I'll go back to women and our our response to not asking or the reason we don't ask is we're too young we're too old, we're not ready, um, we're inadequate, we don't have the right education, we don't have the right skills. Know before you even walk into the room or send the email or have the phone call, know what it is that you really believe about that ask. If you're gonna ask for a promotion, ask yourself if you think you deserve it and then list out why you think you deserve it. Get really clear because otherwise you bring your own shit, your own biases into the conversation unwillingly. So. Know what your hidden biases are. Know what you're really actually afraid of when it comes to that ask. And then three, state your ask clearly. Be super clear about it and then stop talking. Now, what I mean about that is women have this way of asking questions that don't actually say anything. So we start questions with something like, would you mind? Or don't you think? Instead of just stating what is, we have all of these roundabout ways to get there, which means that 
everybody in the room is scratching their heads because they have no idea what we're actually asking for. So just state what is. Communicate your ask clearly. This is what I'm asking for. And then, and this is one of the most important things, hush up. Stop talking. Leaving space in a conversation gives the other person room to talk. And it also demonstrates how confident you are in what you've asked for. One of the biggest signs of a lack of confidence is when somebody feels the need to keep talking to fill space after they've requested something. It's almost as if they are talking the other person out of it as quickly as they try to talk them into it. Silence is a beautiful thing, especially when asking. All right. So there you guys have it. Those are your three components of how to ask for what you want. And so if you did not write these down, you need to go back like a few minutes <laughs> and take notes <laughs> and write this down and practice doing it because we need more women to ask for what they want, ask for more money, ask for more opportunities, ask for more everything that you want because it's important. And, and I really believe in you should have it. Uh, you should have it. If you want it, you should have it. And you don't even have to explain why. Because no. you want it. No, exactly. Mo, can I just quickly say those three again, just so nobody has to go back if they don't want to? Yeah. Concisely. Okay, so number one, get clear on your ask and the cost of your ask. Number two, know what your hidden bias is. Number three, communicate your ask clearly. And then hush up. That's it. Super simple. Boom. It can fit on a Boom. post-it note. So you have That's no excuse. <laughs> Oh, yes. Post-it no size advice. Exactly. Dropping gems, sides of a post-it all, note. All over the place. <laughs> <laughs> so my final question, and I love to ask this, what are you reading currently or have you read anything that we should know about? Yeah, so what I'm reading currently, in the community of us, we read a book together once a month. We have a topic. This month happens to be on finances, women in finances. And we are reading together, You Are a Badass at Making Money, which I have to admit I've read a while ago, but I'm rereading that. And also NW by, oh my gosh, I love her. Now I can't think of what her name is. NW by Zadie Smith. I read multiple books at a time. And the Ikea catalog. Because <laughs> it just came yesterday. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to add that to the show notes. And then I know that you have uh, something that you are working on, like a video series. Can you yeah. talk about that? Yes, so there is a free three-part video series that I just launched, um, and it's called Bold Permission Granted to Thrive, and I will send you the link for it if you don't have it, but for, for the listeners, you know, it's a three-part course that goes into fear, goes into asking, community, a lot of the things that we need support with, but don't necessarily know how to get it or what questions to ask. So the videos are short. They're probably about 15 minutes. Um, and with each video, I've actually made a workbook that you can print out and answer some questions to help you dig in. So there's sort of versions of this, of what we're doing on this podcast, but three different versions for three different topics. So I'll send you the link for that. It's called Bold Permission Granted to Thrive. Thanks. Okay, so that will be added to the show notes so that you guys can access it quickly there. And Cindy, if people want to get in touch with you or find you online, where can they find you? They should find me on Instagram at Cindy Spiegel or online at cindyspiegel.com or thecollectiveofus.com. Awesome. All right. Well, easy. easy peasy. Thank you so much, Cindy, for coming and giving us your time and, and 
really sharing so openly and dropping all these wonderful gems and getting us all fired up. Like, I, I feel like I need to go ask somebody for something now. I don't, I don't know what. <laughs> There's nobody here. But <laughs> you do. Just go outside now. <laughs> yes. But thank you again for giving us the time. Thank you for listening to me. And thank you for sharing your gorgeous podcasting world with me, Monique. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you. Mm-hmm.